Let us pray. Almighty God, You have knit together Your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us grace so to follow Your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those ineffable joys that You have prepared for those who truly love You. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> in 2019, uh, I, I did enough funerals in Port Lavaca that the director of the local funeral home started calling me the angel of death. Um, it's okay, it's a little funny, you can laugh. The point is, I think at this point I have done enough funerals and been around enough grieving people to have a pretty good idea of, of what most people are experiencing when they mourn the loss of a loved one, uh, and, and to have a pretty good idea of, of how people around them react and the kinds of things that people say that are helpful versus the things that are not helpful. And my friends, I love you all, but most of what you say to people in grief is usually not helpful. Uh, things like, it's okay, they're in a better place now. Uh, God needed another angel in heaven. It's all part of God's plan. It, it's not that they're not actually in a better place, they very well are. But, but I'm willing to bet if you think back to the last time you were mourning the loss of a loved one, if someone said that to you, I'm going to bet it wouldn't have been all that helpful. Christians struggle with this especially because we are taught that they are, in fact, in a better place. And so then we feel a little selfish, maybe, for grieving when they die. Right? Isn't that selfish of us to wish they were still here with us instead of off in the better place? Right? And so then, of course, when people come to you and say, it's okay, they're in a better place while you're grieving, that actually just kind of makes you feel worse, doesn't it? Because then you're thinking, man, I'm, what, a, what a terrible person I am for wishing that they weren't somewhere better. All of this comes from the fact that we just don't deal with death very well. We don't like to talk about it. We euphemize it a lot, don't we? We don't even say someone's died, right? What do we say? They've, they've passed on. They're no longer with us. Things like that. The, um, the Catholic priest and monk Henry Nowen tells a story when he was traveling through Northern Ireland as a, as a young man. Uh, he was sort of backpacking through the countryside and he, he happened one day to witness a bunch of farmers burying one of their uh, neighbors who had died. And he stopped to watch from a distance what they were doing and he was struck by the simplicity of it. They just dug a hole in the ground and, and they lowered this pine box into it and then they shoveled the soil back on and used the backs of their shovels to smack it flat. And then they just put a simple wooden cross on the marker. No words, nothing. They made the sign of the cross, and then they left. And he tells in one of his books that, that, the, that his takeaway from this was simple. He said, never in my life have I been so sure that a man was dead. Not, not passed away, but dead. Not no longer with us, but dead. He was gone. They understood something that many of us try to push as far from our minds as possible. We don't like to confront the reality of death, which is a problem because folks, we're all going to die. 
It's the ultimate statistic. One in one dies. You can't get away from it. Every last one of us will go through this at one point. And this, this faith that we share grew so rapidly when it first started, in part because of its teachings about death. Do you know if you take the four Gospels together, more than half of that material deals with Christ's suffering, crucifixion, and death. Half. Only half the Gospels are about what he taught on earth. The rest is about the part where he dies. It is a central theme in our faith and in our teaching, and it's one of the most important messages of hope that we have to offer people, and we like to back away from it. So today you're getting what's basically just an extended version of what I preach at every funeral. There was, uh, at the time of the ancient church, there was a belief system called Gnosticism. And, and this belief system taught uh, that, that the physical world is all bad, including the physical body. It's all bad. True salvation, true happiness, true goodness is only found in the spiritual world. So thank God we die and our souls leave this sad little body we have and go off somewhere better. This is rooted in Greek philosophy, and, and you, you are maybe picking up the fact that uh, this is still very much alive today in the church. This notion that, that everything physical is bad and the only good is in the spiritual, and, and it's great that when we die we get to just leave these sad little shells of our bodies behind. But my friends, we have to point out that there is nowhere in the Bible that teaches this. It cannot be found in this book. The Bible does not teach that. You know what the Bible teaches? That God created everything and said it was good, including our physical bodies, creates them and calls them good. In the Old Testament, in fact, there is no concept whatsoever of a soul separate from the body. They use two different words for soul. One is the word ruach, which is the same word they use for breath or wind. Your spirit is the same as your breath or wind. When God breathes the breath of life into Adam, it's ruach, God's spirit, his breath. They also use the word nefesh, which is, as it happens, the same word they use for the body. They do not differentiate between it in the Old Testament. It's the same thing. And the New Testament upholds this. And so right here, we have to stop and point out that this, my friends, is why we grieve when someone dies, even when we know they're in a better place. There is some part of us that recognizes instinctively that that moment where, where who we are, the core of our being, our soul, if you will, is ripped away from our physical body is not supposed to happen. It's not part of God's plan. Death was never meant to come for us. This is not what God wanted for his children. And to exist in that way is in some, some way inhuman and incomplete. We recognize this. Without having to think about it, there is a part of us that just knows this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so we grieve when someone dies. And we're supposed to grieve when someone dies. Because it is a recognition that the world is not working the way God made it to. Death was not supposed to be part of our lives. To exist as a soul with no body is to exist in an inhuman and incomplete state. The Bible does not teach us about a disembodied eternity. It just doesn't. It's nowhere in there. And it does teach us that one day, 
Jesus will come back. And the dead will be raised. And this is the eternal paradise it always points to. And it also teaches, of course, that there is something going on between now and then, because the dead aren't raised yet. But Jesus tells the man on the cross next to him, today you'll join me in paradise. So there's, there's something there. He teaches that the dead are alive in Christ. That even now, the souls of the righteous who have gone before us are before the throne of God, waiting for that day when they will be raised back to new life. Truthfully, we could spend weeks or months unpacking all of the things that this means for us. Because this is where all of our Christian ethics are rooted in this idea. But, but, but today the important thing to remember is this. The grave is not the end. Death is not the end. We can't see past the grave, but it doesn't mean there is nothing beyond it. We light all of these candles here so that we can look and see a visual representation of what we're talking about. The souls of those who've gone before at the throne of God, praising and worshiping and praying. There is a, a passage from a book of the Bible that you've never read. Um, and I say that because this book is probably not in your Bibles. You know, the, when, when the Protestant church put together what they believed was in the Bible, they rejected these books called the Apocrypha, which are still in the Catholic and Orthodox Bibles. And the reason they did that is that there's no original uh, Hebrew documents tied to these, but they still believed, and as the Catholics believe, that while they're not necessarily part of what we should use to formulate our doctrine and theology as a church, they're still useful for teaching. So I'm going to read to you uh, from a book called The Wisdom of Solomon. Just a couple little verses here. But the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be an affliction, and their going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of men they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. This is what we have believed all along. And it's important that we, we take this and we don't just believe it as a mythology or as like a nice hopeful thought or something to comfort us, but as, as reality itself. That death is not the end and the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment will ever touch them. We can grieve because we recognize that this is not how it was meant to be that God did not intend for us to ever die in the first place, but we can also take comfort in the fact that our, our loved ones are even now before the throne of God. And, and think, think about what this means as we talk about resurrection. For one thing, this is, of course, why the resurrection of Jesus matters in the first place, because it is proof that points to our eventual reality. He's raised the dead before and he will do it again. But it also means that, that one day, one day, you will be able to walk hand in hand with your loved ones again. You will hear their voice again. 
My wife will hug her mother again. My daughter will meet her grandmother. Face to face in the flesh. And this is not superstition. This is the ironclad promise of the God who made us. So as I tell people at every funeral, you you didn't say goodbye to them because they're not gone. At most, it's an extended absence and you will be reunited. But but here's here's the beauty. Because the other thing that that we believe as the church and that we have taught for 2,000 plus years is that when we gather for worship, it is not just us in this room, but that in some way that we can't see or understand, we are in fact, even now, united with the whole company of heaven. That as we worship, we are participating in what they're doing. That even now, all those who have gone before are with us in this time of worship. That even now, in some way, We are not separated from them. Death does not sever the bond we have with people because death is not permanent. Death is not the end. So as you look at the altar and you see the candles lit in honor of people you have loved, Remember, they are not gone. They are here. And one day, you can be absolutely certain that you will be reunited in the flesh. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.